God be gracious to me, my Father. According to your love, pour your grace and mercy over me. Thank you for this day, my daily bread. Fill my heart with your word of truth and let it be strength to my bones. Restore my life so that I am a light for others, a spring of water to those in need. Allow me to walk in your presence. Amen, amen. What's up, what's up? Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. We are here because of one person. What's his name? Jesus. And if you are uh, thinking, is he a person? Is he God? God is a person. He's not a human. God, Jesus was human. He was all man, all God. But God is a person. He has a personality. He has the ability to love you, have a relationship with you, speak to you, comfort you, encourage you. That's what makes him a person. You were made in his image. You can have a relationship with him, and that's why we are here. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We want to welcome everybody in East County, uh, East County campus, our North County campus, uh, our San Ysidro campus, and our microsites, and all the people watching around the world, especially those in the military who are serving our country. Let's give all those people a big hand. God bless you. Amen. So let's all stand uh, in the presence of God and pray. And if you're wondering why we don't kneel, uh, we just change it up. Just change it up. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want all of you to do this with one finger. Now just keep your hand like that. I'm going to talk for a minute, but don't move. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to put your finger on someone else's shoulder and pray for them. I'm going to pray. And you're, all you're going to do is do this. Now, I want everybody to just look at me and say, I'm good. If you do not want the person next to you to do that, when they do it, just go, I'm good. And then they'll take their hand off. <laughs> That's all you got to say. And if they do that to you, just turn and go the other way. Don't be like, yo, what's up? Yo, well, you know, don't. Don't get all ghetto on somebody, just mind your business and go somewhere else, okay? <laughs> so uh, here's what we're going to do. If, you know, if someone next to you you know, just touch them and don't go to someone, hey, girl, what's your name? Can I touch your shoulder? <laughs> don't do that. Okay. <laughs> so that's why we're doing this, not laying hands, because people start getting all freaky. So just put your hand right there, finger right there, and close your eyes. Lord, thank you so much uh, for right now in all our campuses, people, and all over the world. Hopefully the people are they're being touched by the finger of God. Our hands represents God's hands. That's why we lay hands on people. And when two or more are gathered, there you are in their presence. So we know you're here, and we're touching and agreeing that we want to experience your presence. We want to experience your encouragement. And, Lord, I pray everyone will realize that as physically they are being touched, they are being reminded that you are here. You know who they are. They are not invisible to you. I also pray you would touch them physically and heal 
We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would heal, that you would bring into alignment our sick and ailed bodies in alignment with the kingdom of God, that people's tumors and, and sprains and torn ligaments and broken legs would be healed even now, that people can't walk would be able to walk, people can't hear would be able to hear, that you would bring healing. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, when you sit down, say hello to someone next to you. Give them a high five. Amen. Amen. Um, often when we pray for people to be healed, I shouldn't say often, to date, every time we pray for people to be healed, someone's healed. So if you had an ailment um, that you could notice when you walked in, I want you to test it and see right now if it feels better. And if it does, before you leave, tell somebody that Jesus healed me. And if you feel like it feels better but you don't believe it got healed, then there's nothing else God can do for you. <laughs> you need to believe it, okay, and tell somebody if you had something that you can't feel like some illness like a, a cancer or something, next time you go to the doctor, uh, just ask him or her, did I get healed? And if it did, they will tell you, they won't tell you you were healed. They'll just say there's been a mirac miraculous development. <laughs> and then you can tell them it was Jesus and I hope I never have to see you again. So you walk out. <laughs> Amen. And if, you, and if you weren't healed yet, just be patient. God loves you. You'll ultimately be healed. Amen. Okay. Let's see. Uh, let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles. Oh, on three. One, two, three. Say word, word. Exodus chapter three. Exodus chapter three. Exodus chapter Twenty-one years ago, no, I'm sorry, 35 years ago, I met my wife. Man, that's a long time. <laughs> I was in a party and I, she walked in and I told my friend who I was standing next to, we were watching all the people, girls, walk in. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to marry that girl right there. So I watched her. She danced with one of our other friends and maybe someone else, I can't remember, but I, instead of just like rushing over, I laid back and watched to see what she was representing. And I was like, man, I, I really, really am interested in that girl. She wasn't hoochified out. She wasn't all blinged out. And I went over and asked her to dance and you know, we had a little conversation and we, we danced. We ended up dancing, I think, all night. I don't remember not dancing with anybody else. And I just remember feeling good. Something right about when I asked her to dance, her response, even though she said no, it was something right about how she said no. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> my boys are watching, girl, you can't say no to me. I'm thinking that in my head, right? Because I said, I'm going to ask her to dance right now. She's like, nah. Anyway, she said no. But it was even something right about that. 
And, and then we danced and blah, blah, blah. And then I asked her to slow dance later because I wanted to get close. And she was like, no. And she never changed her mind on that one. And I uh, asked her for a phone number. She said, no. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to see you? And she said, you'll figure it out. So it, all of that was just right. And every time I was with her, I just felt like, you know, there's something right about this. Felt good. And, you know, we got married. And there's all these people in your life, whether the people you date or friends or people you work with, you hang with, that there's something right about that relationship and it feels good. Can I get an amen? Then there's other people you meet where eh, it's just not as right. There's a disturbance in the force. And you kind of like, and you, sometimes you try to make it work. And I'm not even talking about dating, just people. You just miss. Like you talk over each other. It's just no, you know, there's just nothing. It's just something not right. Can I get amen? amen? Then there's other people you meet and there's nothing there. Just like, hi, you know, okay, blah, blah, and you, And there's nothing left. You know, you don't have an interest to talk again. You don't dislike them. You don't necessarily like them. It's just... Nothing there. So some people you just have this great feeling. It's very positive and magnetic. And then there's some people you just really repel. And there's other people it's just like, eh. What's it like with God? I mean, what is it like when you're with God? Do you even know? Because when you're with people, all our relationships is about our experience with people when we're in their presence. So God is a person. We were made in his image. Our personhood comes from him. You get your personhood, your personality, your ability to have relationships, your ability to love. You get that from God. And God made you that way so you could have relationship with him. That's why he made you. So what's it like when you're with him? Because if you don't know what it's like when you're with him, how do you know when you're with him? And how is you being in his presence impacting your life? So last week we talked about being in the presence of God. I, I proposed this question to you. What if you could sit down in a chair and have a meeting with God? What would it be like? Well, one, would you want to be in a relationship with God and be in his presence and have a conversation? Would you want to be in his presence and interact with him? And I think in general we all said yes. So the question today is we're going to, say, we're going to ask is, what is that like? How do you know that's happening? Now, we all did admit also last week that we're always in the presence of God because God is everywhere. But we redefined it not to make it something different, but to take it one step or higher. And if you look in your notes, we talked about being in the presence of God is having an awareness. Everyone say awareness. Of, of an awareness of being overcome and transformed into the heart of God. In other words, you are aware of God's presence and it's impacting your life. You're not just in his presence because he's everywhere, but it's impacting you. Or we can say it's when your spirit detects and interacts with a God who is spirit. In other words, God who is spirit and your spirit interact and you detect that. There's something going on right now. God is communicating with me. He's changing me. He's trying to show me something, tell me something, guide me, term, change my mind, change my decision. How do you know that's happening? Because if you don't know when that's happening, how were you ever guided by him? I talk to people all the time. They say, yeah, I heard God once. I think. So how do you know when he's saying go right, go left? How do you know when his small, still voice is being whispered into your heart? How do you know when he's loving you and comforting you 
because he wants to. So today we're going to talk about that. Um, and my encouragement to you today is that you would be challenged to really want to know and to press God. God, I need to know. I'm going to propose to you that God created you with the, with the ability and the desire to interact with his presence, with the ability to hear his voice, the ability to see him working in people's lives, the, the ability for him to guide you, that he created you with that ability and for the purpose to do that. When Adam and Eve were created, one of the, one of the first things we learned about Adam and Eve is that they walked with God and they walked in the presence of God in the cool of the day. And when they sinned, they hid from God. Matter of fact, when their son committed murder, he was cast out of the presence of God. And he says, I can't handle that. God said, I want you in my presence. Only sin will take you out of my presence. So he created us for the purpose of walking with him in his presence. Uh, a bat, a bat that fly at night, they see by echolocation. That sound that you hear me snap my fingers and me talking and stomping my feet are vibrations in air. As a matter of fact, when you throw a rock in the water and you see the waves in the water, that's a vibration in the water. When you hear sound, it's a vibration in the air. You just can't see it. But sound is a vibration in the air. It's actually the air shaking. And the higher the pitch, the quicker the air is shaking. And the lower the pitch, the slower the air is shaking. But it's all frequency of the air shaking. And those waves, just like waves in the water, they come into your ear. Boom, 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 boom. And inside your ear is what you call an eardrum or tempanic membrane. It looks like a, um, a cellophane, clear cellophane wrapping paper. And it's real tight. And when the shakes come, the vibration in the air hit it, it shakes. And then it, behind it are some bones called cochlea. And these bones have fluid in them and little hairs. And when the, the shakes from the air come into your ear, your pina, this here right here, funnels the, sh the vibrations into your eardrum, I mean, into, towards your eardrum. Your eardrum shakes, shakes these bones, shakes the fluid, shakes these little hairs. And it creates an electrical impulse in your brain and you hear sound. Oh, say glory to God. And if you're saying, is that really for real? No, I just made all that up. No, it's for real. In general, it's for real. And, and, and all these little millions of hairs shake, and they, and, they, and, they, and they play a symphony in your ear. And you can hear all those sounds at the same time as they're happening that quick and distinguish them. That's how amazing your hearing is. Why did God make it so complicated? So you wouldn't think it created itself. Even though some of you do. And God says, man, how else could I have made it where you have to say glory to God? But my point is that a, a bat can receive all those vibrations and turn it into a picture in its head and see in real time. The bat throws out, zzz, throws out sound, the sound vibrates back and it paints a picture in his brain. God created that bat to do that. That's awesome. A, a shark can smell blood from miles away in the ocean. If you tried to smell blood in water, you would drown. <laughs> Please do not try to do that tomorrow. <laughs> Someone's going to get you up the beach in La Jolla. You're going to be like, <gasps> They're like, what happened? I tried to smell blood. I, I was in church yesterday. Don't try to smell blood tomorrow in the water. God created you to hear his voice. He created you to see him working in other people's lives. He created you to sense his presence. 
comforting you, guiding you, giving you words to speak, tone to speak. Do you miss it? Some of you have ringtones on your phone for different people. For all of you, for your, your high school buddies back in the day, you have Red Fox and Sanford and Son because your friends are old and crusty, okay? <laughs> Some of you may have Luther Vandross for your wife. Oh, by the way, does anybody not know who Luther Vandross is? <gasps> Please, someone Google that for them. Luther Vandross is one of the all-time great love song singers. The brother was smooth. Can I get an amen? amen? Smooth. You have different ringtones for different people. What is God's ringtone? So when God wants to get your attention, what does he have to do? Hopefully not have you get in a car accident. And not that he would do that because he would want to speak to you kind of every day. What does he sound like? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, before I get into it, let me, let me say this. Uh, we're going to talk about a guy named Moses. And if we talk about a guy named Moses, we're going to talk about a guy who had an experience. I don't want you to get distracted with this thing, this word experience. Because there are religions that are, and, and churches that are all about, I just want the experience. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. A hundred percent of what you know about people that's real is through your experience with them. I could talk to you all day long about someone you never met and you can form an opinion about them based on what I tell you, even though what you know is from your experience with me. But let's even take that out. You can, you can form an opinion about someone even by reading the paper and all this stuff, but it's not until you really meet them that you really know the truth. Can I get an amen? Matter of fact, you can hear all this garbage. How many of you have raised your hand if you, if you ever had this happen to you? I'll have you raise your hand at the end of the, at the question. You hear all this information about somebody and you form this opinion and then you meet them and within three seconds you go, none of that was true. They're so different than what I thought. Amen? Amen? Even if you talk to them on the phone and you're talking and then you see them, they're like, nothing what I saw. You look nothing like I thought. I thought you were going to be tall and, and dark and handsome and you're short and you're, and, and you're, and you're, and you're light and you're just short and light. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? But when, and then when you meet somebody, you're like, what? You are nothing what I thought. Why? Because it's not until you had that experience. Too many people only know about God by well, what they read in the book. And they're reading in the book without the Spirit of God speaking to them about what's in the book. Because there's a difference. You can read this whole book and not know God. I'm not saying don't read the book. Please taste and see, experience that the Lord is good. But you have to have the Lord. You don't want just information about the Lord. You want God. Remember the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us so we can touch him and experience him and see him. So when I'm talking about experience, I'm talking about an encounter. And just like I would never tell you to trust somebody I don't introduce you to. I'm not going to tell you not to trust God. I'm not going to tell you to trust God without introducing you to him. But you need to know when you're meeting him. So in this story, Moses, who's 80 years old. Is anybody 80? Anybody just, if you raise your hand, if you're 80, because I got some news for you. Anybody? We had an 82-year-old here earlier. No one here is 80? Okay, we had an 82-year-old lady, a couple 79-year-olds. Uh, Moses was 80, and this was the first day of his ministry. He was just starting. 
How many of y'all think y'all old? Because you're not 80 yet. You just admitted you're not 80, so you ain't old. You're just a young whippersnapper. <laughs> so Moses 80. I don't know if he had a cane. I doubt it because he ended up living another 40 years. Ended up walking in the desert for 40 years with 2 million people complaining. That was a strong, patient brother. So he lived 40 years as an Egyptian in Pharaoh's home. He lived 40 years in the wilderness raising uh, sheep and goats as a shepherd. And now he's going to be 40 years a pastor. So what God did is he educated his mind. Then he shaped his heart for 40 and 40. And now the last 40, he's going he's to pastor. Okay, so now he's in the, in the, in the desert. And look what's going to happen to him. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says... Moses was tending flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire and from the midst of the burning bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside to see what this great sight is, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw it, he turned aside. God called to him out of the fire and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. It's one thing for fire to talk to you. It's a whole other thing to talk back to the fire. He said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. One of the, one of the first signs of being in the presence of God is you have a desire to draw close to God in holy reverence to God. That you want to be more like God. You have this hunger for God. Now, all throughout the Bible, there's people who experience God in different ways. Some of them shake, some of them fall down, some of them, they lose their sight. Matter of fact, Paul went blind for three days after he experienced with God. He got knocked to the ground and was blind for three days. And God said, I want you to think about some things before we talk again. <laughs> John got the book of Revelation. He fell on his face like a dead man. Daniel fell on his face and trembled. And people will experience God, and those are maybe one-time occurrences, but on a regular basis, people will experience God in different ways. They may feel heat. They may feel electricity. may feel, uh, you know, flutter in the eyes, whatever it is. But there's a, there's a consistent thread in all of our experiences and encounters with God is that there's a peace there's something right. There's a sati- sense of satisfaction in your soul that things are going to be okay. Something is like I feel okay right now. And it's very, very subtle. It's like when you meet somebody that you like, you just feel comfortable. And you end up sharing this. I meet people all the time and they just start sharing stuff with me. I mean, I'll be at the airport. How you doing? Can I tell you my life? <laughs> I mean, people, people that, not, not even like San Diego Airport, Airport in Chicago, they don't know I'm a pastor. They just start telling me stuff. And when you're with God, when you, when you, when you start getting close to God and you're experiencing God, God says, he just puts his arm around you and says, you're going to be okay today. If some of you, all of you who are fasting, Some of you are fasting food, some of you are fasting gossip, some of you are fasting television, social media. And what's happening as you fast, hopefully, if you're really, well, not hopefully, if you're really doing it and you're distancing yourself from this stuff that you want to get rid of out of your life, that you feel drawn to God. 
Especially if you're fasting food, you're probably slowing down. And you're talking less. You're talking with less force, less volume, less frequency. And you may have a desire to be more quiet because God wants to speak to you. If you're not watching TV, you have way more time. If you're, not on, if you're fasting social media, you have more time. And God is like Moses, was drawn to the fire. God is saying, I want you to come here. I want you to come here. I want you, I want you to have a, you're going to get a hunger and a thirst for God. A hunger and thirst for righteousness. A desire to be close to God. As a matter of fact, I want to show you a couple of verses from one from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Everyone say grieve. Everyone say grieve. You know what that means? Don't make the Holy Spirit go, ooh. Don't make the Holy Spirit go, ooh. And when you are in the presence of God and you're experiencing the presence of God and you sense God drawing closer to, to you, you're going to be more sensitive. I, I shouldn't say this because God's not. It's going to break his heart. That's a relationship statement. It's not a doctrinal statement. It's a relational statement. The Bible's saying, don't disappoint God. It's one thing for you to want to be with God. It's another thing that God like being with you. In other words, the Holy Spirit's a person. He's, he's living in you if you ask Christ to be your Savior. And if you haven't, we're going to give you the opportunity in a few minutes. But when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have a relationship. And, the, and that verse says, don't make the Holy Spirit who's living in you, this person, go, ooh. So you're going to be more, you're going to have this, a higher desire to say, Holy Spirit, is this okay? Can I think this? Can I say this? Can I look at her, him, like that, like this? And the Holy Spirit said, yes, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Ooh, I don't like that. That's okay. I love that. And you're going to be like, God, I want to please you. And guess what? You're going to know what that is more frequently. The closer you get to God, you and God are going to be on tune. There's another verse, uh, 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 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, don't quench the spirit. The Holy Spirit, woo, the Holy Spirit is wanting to flow out of you. Touch that person, touch that person, touch that person. And you know what some of us do? No. 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 When you're in the presence of God, yes. Yes. Why? Because God's saying, I want to help that person and, and you and God are right in step. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, yes, God. When you go to work, school, movie theater, Vons, Trader Joe's, wherever you go shopping, Starbucks, stand in line, and, you're, and, and Lord, I acknowledge that you're here. What do you want to do? Say that to him. God, what do you want to do? Show me. And look around the room. Show me. You know what's going to happen? God's going to go, you see her right there? You see that dude right there? Look at them. When you say hi to this person walking out, look at the eye. You know, how are you doing? I'm going to show you. I want you to encourage that person. I want you to buy that lady who's got two kids. You ever see a mom with two kids? One's walking, one's in a stroller, diapers, and she's trying to do all this stuff, and you, and you just walk right by. Uh, go buy that lady her coffee. Go carry that stuff to her coffee and tell her you're not a freaky freak. Because she doesn't know your motive. (laughs) 
Ask God to show you. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. And what, 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 um, Mo, what happened with Moses, when Moses was in the presence of God, he was drawn to God. He, and when you're in the presence of God, you're going to have a hunger and a thirst for God. You're going to have a desire to be like God, a desire to talk like God, a desire to read more of the Bible and learn the Bible and pray and feel closer to God. He's going to draw you close to him. And the things in your life that don't agree with God, they're going to start to go away. And you're going to have less interest in those things. Because when you're in the presence of God, things have to change. <laughs> What's crooked is made straight. What's wrong is made right. And you're saying, Why am I, are you calling me crooked and, and wrong? Yes. We're sinners. Can I get an amen? As a matter of fact, if anybody here is perfect, let us know because we would like to worship you as well. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And when you get into the presence of God, God says, now I'm going to show you what's wrong with you and how I want to make it right. But he shows us in a way that's so loving and so peaceful. The next thing that God does is he, he changes us and he commissions us. Look at these verses on the, on the screen. Number one, the number one on the screen is Exodus 34. Exodus 34 tells us that Moses went up on top of the mountain. And so it was when Moses came down from the mountain that he had two tablets of the testimony, the Ten Commandments in his hand. And Moses did not know that his face, the skin on his face was shining because he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God. And he, and he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He was in the presence of God and his face was shining. And when he came down, everyone said, what happened to you? He said, what are you talking about? Your face is shining. So much so he had to cover his face. When you're in the presence of God, it's going to change you. You cannot continually go into the presence of God and experience the presence of God and not be changed. You have to be changed. Because when God, when you're in the presence of God, not only does God show you things that are right and wrong in your life and, and, and your circumstance and the world, he changes your heart and gives you a different desire, passions, interest. And the more you interact with a holy, perfect God, the more you are going to be conformed into his image because you were created in his image, but your image was flawed by sin. And God is going to restore that into his image over time. And so the more you're in his presence, the more you're going to change. You're going to start to think, I don't like to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. Matter of fact, during your fast, some of the things you're giving up, you may not want to start back up again. Or you may do it differently. Some of you are fasting pornography. Hopefully you never go back. Some of you are fasting yelling at your spouse. Hopefully you never go back. But some of you are fasting stuff like, like uh, coffee. Drink decaf. I got to have my buzz. Well, you might not need to give up that buzz, baby. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's why you stop doing drugs. You, 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 just because it's legal doesn't mean you should need, the buzz is right. <laughs> I'm not saying coffee's a sin, but addiction to a buzz. <laughs> yeah. God would rather you be addicted to him. The next verse. The Spirit of the Lord came upon, mightily upon him, and he tore uh, a lion apart <laughs> as one would tear apart a goat. I didn't know tearing apart a goat was supposed to be easy. <laughs> but that's Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. He got all this power, and he just tore it apart. You know, when God comes upon you, he's going to give you power. We're going to see that in a minute. 
that God's going to change you into another person. As a matter of fact, look at the next one. It says, the spirit of the Lord came upon you and you will be, be prophesied and be turned into another man. Say, turn into another man. God is going to change you. When you come into the presence of God, he changes you. Lord, I need to be changed. My situation needs to be changed. I don't want to just know information. I don't want to sing songs in my head. I want to sing them in my heart. I want to have an encounter in my heart. And the last one is in the book of Acts when Peter, one of Jesus' disciples who was scared, to, he denied Christ three times. When Christ died, he was hiding. The women had to go to the tomb and come back and tell Peter Jesus rose from the dead. And then after that, he became a bold preacher after he received the Holy Spirit in, in the book of Acts. But as he was preaching and defying the, order, his, the orders given to him by the religious leaders, they said to him, we have perceived, we saw that you were bold, but yet at the same time we know that you are untrained and uneducated. So we perceive that the only way this could have happened is that you have been with Jesus. In other words, you have boldness, but you have no education. In other words, you're dumb and you're untrained, so you have no skills. So we don't, we don't understand how someone with no education and no skills can be as effective as you. I don't know if that's a compliment or a slander. You're dumb and unskilled, but you're effective. It must be that you've been with God. You know that God wants to take you and I. He wants to confound the educated with the foolish. He just wants to take regular people like you and me, and I don't care what you've done in life, there's a, a jillion other people like you. Whether you have been addicted to drugs, sold yourself in the park, or you own 20 companies and you're a multi-gazillion whatever, there's a whole lot of people like you. And God wants to take a person just like you and turn you into something amazing for him. And when you are in his presence, that starts to happen and you have this interest. Lord, there's more, huh? Yes, there's more. And lastly, turn to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus 4. Not only is God going to draw you closer to him, he's going to commission you and change you, but he's going to empower you. Chapter 4, verse 1, Moses is being commissioned by God, and Moses says to God, suppose when I go to the Israelites and say I met the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Suppose they don't believe me or listen to my voice and say, the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled. And the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and it became a rod again in his hand. So Moses had a staff in his hand and he says, hey, God, standing with a stick. What if I go to the Israelites and say I was in your presence and I saw you and we had a conversation, all kind of stuff. And they say, you haven't been with God. God didn't talk to you. God said, throw that stick on the ground. He threw it on the ground, 
came a snake. Moses jumped back, kissed himself because he was scared of snakes. <laughs> jumped back, kissed himself like James Brown. He's too young, too, too young to know that. But he <laughs> threw the stick down and it became a snake. And then and he jumped back and then God said, grab it by the tail. So he grabbed it by the tail and it became a stick again. And he said, Moses, I'm going to give you power. They can't do that over in Egypt. Not like me. Matter of fact, fast forward, another story. I just throw it in for free. But when he went to the Egyptians, this is, this is for free. You don't have to pay for this one. But this is for free. <laughs> when he threw it down, you don't have to pay for anything, by the way, just, just if you're a visitor. But uh, uh, you didn't know that. But when he, came, when, when, he, when he went to the Egyptian magicians, the Egyptian magicians, they threw their rods down and they became snakes. Because the devil's a copycat. But guess what happened? Moses' snake ate their snake. <laughs> I love that part of the story. They said, Moses, we can do that too. Moses said, is that right? Snake, eat. Wop, 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 ate their snakes. Then it became a stick again. Say, what you got now? Uh, Moses grabbed a stick. Going back to my original story, grabbed a stick. And, and God said to him, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you power. Do you know that when you draw closer to God, in the presence of God is everything God is and everything God has. In the presence of God is everything God is and everything God has. He is the Prince of Peace. He is Almighty God. He is the God who heals, the God who provides, the God who sees. He is all of that. So when you are in the presence of God, you have everything God is. And, when you, and, and next week we're going to talk about taking the presence of God with you. But when you are in the presence of God, God's power becomes part of your power. Now, it's not your power for your benefit. It's God's power for God's benefit working through you through him and his direction. It's all about him. But he says, I'm going to give you power. And I'm going to not only change your life, I'm going to be able to change lives through you. Undeniably, some of y'all got healed and you're going to go to your doctor and your doctor will not accept that God healed you. For the most part. They can't because medicine is the all. You can't give credit to God. So they'll say stuff like, and this happened, I've, I've heard this many times. Well, you know, we've, we've had an unexplainable uh, um, uh, advancement or unexplainable occurrence. We just don't know what happened and we're just going to have to, you don't need to come back. Or they'll say, come back in a year and we'll reevaluate. In other words, hopefully you forget about us and never come back because we don't know what to tell you. Because that medicine wasn't supposed to work that fast. Matter of fact, we hadn't even given you the medicine yet. It's still in order. <laughs> we don't know what to say. God did it. Well, you know, that, uh, a lot of people do have a lot of faith and we really appreciate that. But uh, they don't need to believe you. God wants to change your life, not with information about God, with an encounter with God. Information will go in your head. Revelation starts here. In a minute, we're going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, I want to have an encounter. I want to meet you and experience you like I meet people every day. How do you do that? One, you ask him to forgive you of your sin, the sin that blocks you and pushes God away. Adam and Eve hid from God because of their sin. They were walking with God in the cool of the day and their sin separated them from God. When your sin is forgiven and cleansed because you ask forgiveness, 
because of Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus paid for your sin. And when you give your life to Jesus who paid for your sin, and Jesus says, I got you, your relationship with God is restored. He brings you to the Father and says, I've forgiven them of their sin. And you are restored. The Bible calls it being born again. Some of you want to do that today. You want to say, Lord, I want you to forgive me. I want, I want, to, have an, I want to have an encounter, an encounter that I, I never want to end. I want to meet you personally. I want to have a personal relationship with you, God. I want you to forgive me my sin. And Holy Spirit, I want you to live in my heart. I don't want to sit in a room with you only. I want you to live in my heart. And I want to be aware of your presence in my life. So in a minute we're going to pray and you're going to have an opportunity to ask Christ to forgive you of your, of your sin. To say, Lord, I surrender my life into your hands. Please fill me with the Spirit of God. I want more than information about God. I want relationship with God. So let's all bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your presence right now. We thank you for your presence right now. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to people's hearts in all our campuses, people online. And that you would let them know you are there. And I pray you would stir their heart and encourage them. That you love them. And that you desperately want relationship with them. If you would like to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart, which is the same as talking to God. And we're just going to talk to him because he's listening and he understands English. And you're going to say to him from your heart, and you can say this with me in the privacy of your heart, Dear God, I know and believe that you love me. I know and believe that you have a plan for my life. And that you want relationship with me. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Jesus, please forgive me. Please establish relationship with the Father. Please accept me as your child, Father. Fill my heart with the Holy Spirit. 
I surrender my life to you, Father. I invite your presence into my heart. Thank you, Father. As the eyes are closed and the heads are bowed, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to count to three in about a minute. And I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, what you're telling God is, God, I want to sit in that chair and I want to be with you and I want to surrender my life to you and I want to follow you and I want you to guide me and direct me. You're saying, God, God, I surrender. Surrender my burdens to you, my fears. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're another campus, there, and just like at this campus, there are going to be people there who are going to receive you and pray with you as you stand. So if you pray that, pr- if you pray that prayer with me, when I count to three, just stand up, acknowledge your surrender. One, two, and three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. Very good. Stay standing. God bless you. Good. God bless you. God bless you.